If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, sports talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into a combination of Sports Talk with Broach and Coffee with Broach. Here we are live. I can't wait to react and have some fun conversation. I want to analyze where the 76ers are with their roster at the very moment. And I understand there's still buyouts to come. And you're seeing that someone like Drogic goes to Brooklyn. And I have my thoughts that I can't wait to share with you. But before we dive into all of this, if you are new to the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button as well. I greatly appreciate all the support. If you're looking to buy tickets to go to any basketball games when it returns, or hell, maybe your hockey team actually makes sense, unlike the Flyers, which you can still go to Flyers games, may I add. You can utilize the promo code BRODES at SeatGeek's checkout page for $20 off of your purchase. So I'm basically eliminating those fees right from right from the jump, right for you. Promo code BRODES, SeatGeek's checkout page, and then lastly, TikTok. At Broads Media, we're implementing a lot more to that social media platform, and we're having a lot of fun. So make sure you join the party over at TikTok as well. And with that, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of different ways you can hop into the conversation today, whether it is oh, – let me get a little headband action on. I apologize. I need to go, need to go a little headband. But a couple of different ways that you can get going, and that is the chat – over on YouTube, we got the Anytime Hotline phone calls, 856-442-9805. You can text in. You can call in. So a couple of different opportunities to chime into the show. And where I'm at when I look at this team, and I keep going back and forth. And honestly, I just think it's going to be somebody new. Every other game or every two games are going to have to try something new because either Matisse Thibault is going to fail and be problematic or Danny Green's going to fail and be problematic or George Niang is going to fail and be problematic and it does matter what team you are seeing on the other side the playoffs are so matchup heavy and so matchup based that you can get by with the George Niang on maybe a couple teams but that would never in a billion years work when you're playing a different city or a different organization based off of their personnel but honestly it'll probably be a flip-flop between Danny and Matisse and I read a great piece on Philly Voice written by Kyle Newbeck, who does a great job covering the the Sixers. And he kind of gives you a, a little description on why he feels certain ways with some of these 
starting rotations. And with Matisse Thibel, I knew it was pathetic, and I knew that his offensive issues were going to hinder this team and brutally destroy the team at times if he's not executing cutting perfectly and if that style just isn't playing out the way that you need it to. He definitely got better in that area, but I don't know if it's strong enough to really outweigh the other brutal, disgusting parts of his offensive game. And look, we'll see. Time will tell. If squads are going to bring the double towards Joel Embiid and then Matisse Thibel cuts nicely and he's there, okay. But also, are you going to live and die with Matisse Thibel underneath the basket? Like, it's just not something that you're going to say, we're going to win this basketball series in the postseason because Matisse Thibel is going to be our threat underneath the basket. You know what I mean? Like that's a, like you're going to win the basketball games because of Joel Embiid and James Harden. There's going to be other deficiencies outside of just his ability to cut, which is the positives. All the other deficiencies will hurt you more than that is going to excel your offense and push it to the next level into the next tier. With that, there is an opportunity between James Harden and Matisse Thybul to maybe get some attacks to the basket and cuts to the basket where you get some lobs. We've seen James Harden throw the lobs before in the past. And is that something that could be implemented throughout the offense? No doubt about it. But at the end of the day, Matisse Thibel is bottom five in the entire league when it comes to the offense. 5.2 points per 100 possessions worse offensively when Matisse Thibel is on the floor, and that is bottom five in the entire association. So that was somewhat of that, whoa. That was somewhat of that, wow. Not only is it horrendous, not only is it absolutely vomit-worthy and putrid to see, it is at the level of bottom five in the entire NBA. So just to put it in perspective and to give you a little bit of the, whoa, hold on a second as well. Now with that, you have no other options really perimeter defense-wise, which could really, 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 really change what you have on the defensive end. With that, if we look at the 76ers and we see some of their other holes, like Tobias Harris can get beat on the defensive side. Tyrese Maxey can get beat on the defensive side. James Harden can get beat on the defensive side. So is Matisse Thibel going to swing the action easily and just will you to victory because his defense is so lethal? Or is the opponent going to find another way to beat you? And they're just going to target other matchups. And I get it. Matisse is going to basically be on their best offensive threat, which in theory, if you're taking away their best player, well, then Matisse Thibel's doing his job. But my thing is, there's so many other ways to beat the 76ers that I'm not trying to devalue Matisse Thibel, but I'm asking the question, can other teams pick you apart and find ways to score outside of Matisse Thibel? Does he have the power to just win you games over and over again because of how unreal his defense is? 
when there's other holes on the defensive side of the floor. And I love Joel Embiid, and obviously he takes pride in his defense. And there are times where we give Tobias Harris a round of applause for that excellent defense on Darius Garland. And he did make major moves in that game when Matisse Thibel was not on Darius Garland. I'm not telling you that there's no one who could hold their own at any part or any sequence, but from the big picture perspective, it's obvious that that's an area that they struggle in at times, and defensive rebounding can also be a problem. Does Matisse Thibel fix enough of those where you can't flip the switch mentally and ask the question, would it make more sense to try and just run and gun with some scoring You take the smacks in the face and you take the punches. You eat the punches defensively for the starting rotation. And you think about outweighing teams on the offensive side with a Danny Green in the corner, which could totally be opened up more from a James Harden. So if James Harden is utilizing a screen, coming around, wide open shots in the corner, that's Danny Green's bread and butter. Now, I'm not going to just tell you all of a sudden I feel great about Danny Green because I don't. And quite honestly, I think he's at a point in his career where it is what it is and this is what he he is at this point. Now, we've done this exercise a few times here on Coffee with Broads, Sports Talk with Broads, anything in the Broads media family, if you will. As horrible as it has to watch Danny Green play, he's shooting this year from three. Okay, went down a little bit more, but 37.5% from three. He's a 400, 40% shooter from the distance in his entire career. And look, I'm not trying to, to say that this team has no chance. Yesterday, I spoke about how emotionally it's time to commit to a 76ers run. So pour your heart all over the floor and pour your heart all over the table. If it gets broken, it gets broken. But better believe it that this team has the superstar talent to win you a championship. Yet here I am the next day talking about how bad Matisse Thibel is and Danny Green's been up and down. But it still stays true with yesterday. Let's not lose context that when you have the upper echelon, top-tier talent, the teams that annihilate, the the stars that annihilate squads day in and day out consistently on a night-to-night basis, and knowing that Joel Embiid is pacing himself because he made that very clear vocally himself throughout this season. Oh, yeah, I've learned. I've learned over 82 games. you got to pace yourself to get to the finish line so that in the postseason you have that extra surge and you're ready to blow by opponents even easier and dominate to another level. Oh, okay, so there's another level in Joel Embiid. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Show me what this is going to look like, please. I don't know if my body and my mind can even handle what another level of Joel Embiid is, but guess what? damn it, I know it's in there because every single season and honestly every single quarter it seems it's another step in the new direction. It's another thing added to his game. It's another beautiful pass. It's another zip across the court when he's backing down an opponent in the paint and he's finding a wide open shooter and the Sixers bang home another three. So you just never know with this guy. I don't want you to lose sight though of the bigger picture, which is you have enough talent at the top tier department to hang with the rest of the Eastern Conference and make a serious NBA Finals run. And with that, there are limitations with some of their other players, but because you can maximize what the top dogs do, you have a chance to seriously compete. Anyway, getting back to where I was getting at with Danny Green, 37.5%, as bad and awful as it's been, it's still uh, in that above league average role, which is, you know, kind of... Interesting to look at, to say the least. Will the floor spacing of 
Danny of Danny Green and what that brings professionally, even if he's making his shots or not, there's a big difference defensively if you're the opponent, how you have to respect the Danny Green wide open based off of what he has made in his career. And then a Matisse Thibel, who if they go and bring the defender down to double Joel Embiid and they kick it back out to Matisse, all of the defenders are just going to stay put and say, shoot it. I dare you to shoot it. Let it fly. We'll live with this any single day of the week. There won't be rotations. There won't be the ball being forced out of Matisse Thibel's hands because they'll live with the Matisse Thibel three over a Toby three wide open or over a James Harden three or over a you name it, whoever else is out there three, Tyrese Maxey. So honestly, if if you, if you look at it, I think you got to start thinking about Danny Green at least getting that nod. But like I said, it'll probably change because Danny will have a bad night and then they'll try Matisse Thibel and then Matisse might hurt you or he'll have a really good game. So then you try him again the next night or the next game, I should say, in a seven-game series. That game looked ugly. You flip-flop back to Danny Green. I, I sense it just being a back-and-forth seesaw, honestly. But we'll see. I, I think Danny Green deserves the opportunity because I think that will fit what's best for this team, which is try and run and gun him. I don't know if Matisse Thibault's defense is going to change enough where there's other deficiencies to attack on the defensive side of the basketball. I need a fat cup of coffee. I really, really do. All right, we got a donation coming in that I don't want to miss from George, a $5 donation. Do you think Embiid will be on the top 100 players list by the end of his career? I mean, he has the opportunity to be one of the best big men to ever play the damn sport, the most versatile with the with the softest touch and with so many different ways to kill you out there. Yeah, I mean, he's got to win some championships. As he said, I loved his entire message during the weekend, and I loved his tone, and I even love seeing the fact that he's hanging around with his kid and he's got his kid up at the press conferences and he's got a huge smile on his face. You just saw an awesome perspective of Joel Embiid, the father. We knew that. We knew that was his drive. I had Mark Zumoff on. Uh, when was this? It was it was a little bit of time ago. I'll have to try and get him on again soon, maybe before the playoff run, to get his thoughts on what damage this team can do. But he brought up the fact, because I asked him, what have you seen differently? You've been around the big man. You've seen the big fella from the beginning, from the day that his face was shown on TV and he looked disappointed, but it was really just a TV delay. Since that moment, Zoo was around. And I, well, what, do you, what have you seen from the guy? He talked about how much the nutrition matters, how much the body and taking care of the, the, the body, if you will, was so important to him. But what really changed the way Joel Embiid thinks is the child having the baby. And just wanting everything that's best for the baby. It's just something that obviously you hear it from a lot of parents. It's hard to describe. But once you have your own kid, you understand and you see what other people are talking about. When your life takes a, a, a step back or, you know, you want to do everything that's right. And you want to see them and them looking up to you like you are the best ever. Right? Kind of thing. And um Joel B just takes a lot of pride in that, and you see that every single damn day. He touches the basketball floor, and his motivation and his drive all comes from having that child. And we are benefiting it, benefiting from it, I should say, as a city because of what happened in his life, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I am 
looking at Joel Embiid as one of the best players to ever do. I don't get too tied up with that, me personally, right? I've been through this before. Personal accolades. It's awesome to see Allen Iverson. It's iconic. The dude changed not just the sport of basketball, but culture as well with the way he was dressing and the style that he had, the swag off the court. Everything AI did was so huge and monstrous to more than just the game of basketball. And to me, when you see him and you see him waving and you see him on the broadcast yeah it puts me back into my feels like I'm back in the 90s like I'm back in the early 2000s that era was just on another level for me and it was incredibly beautiful the blue Sixers jersey the old school logo it's it's just if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Represents that era of basketball for sure. But if Joel B doesn't win or does win a MVP trophy or... Uh, he does get defensive player of the year or doesn't get defensive player of the year or any of these personal accolades. Let's say in a hypothetical world, which I can't imagine it happening because I do think it's Joel Embiid's trophy to lose. But let's just say he keeps this up, plays the same way, and doesn't win the trophy at the end of the year. For me, I saw Joel Embiid still play this level of basketball with or without the hardware in his trophy room back at his office. Now, would I like for him to have it? Absolutely. Am I rooting for him to have it? Absolutely. But I saw him play with or without that personal accolade. He still did the same lethal play every single night. And with that said, let's say he's not top 100. Let's say he isn't by the end of it. I still saw Joel Embiid wax every opponent every single damn night, which put a big smile on my face and left me intrigued where if technically he doesn't become a labeled top 100 guy, which he's going to be one of the best big mans ever to ever, 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 ever lace up a pair of shoes with or without the technicality of it, I got to witness it. So that's how I see it, but I don't know if every if anybody else sees it that way or how it's uh, perceived for other people out there, but that's really my mind. And before we continue some of this conversation out there, I want to let you know about WinView. WinView is the nation's leading sports predictor, allowing you to compete in pregame or live contest against other people, not the house. You answer questions about each game before it begins, or you can play in quarter-long contests while you're watching the game to take your viewing experience to the next level. You can play for free or real money, play with your friends and family. You can make a league. And it just makes your experience watching so unique and in a different way, for sure. It puts a different level of emotions out there. And I'll give you an example of a game and some of the questions that get asked. Unfortunately, no basketball around town right now due to the All-Star break. So there are no open contests at the moment in the NBA. And that's what I would like to share for you. So regardless, I'll give you some examples of previous ones. Let's say the Sixers are playing the Lakers. Will the Sixers beat the Lakers tonight? Yes or no? Will Joel Embiid score over 30 points? Yes or no? Will Tobias Harris outscore, let's say, Russell Westbrook? And then you pick who's going to outscore one another. And basically, whoever answers the questions right, more questions right, ends up winning 
the pod. So it's a lot of fun. Winview.tv slash Broads. The link is down below in the description. Sign up utilizing that link. It's a really cool, unique way to implement sports betting and fun when you're watching the action. Winview.tv slash Broads. That is the link down below. Make sure you sign up using that link. It does go a long way. Okay, so we do have phone lines open at 856-442-9805 if you would like to hop on board into the mix. We do have an anytime hotline call here. Let's hear from you out there. I think by them getting James Harden, I don't know how it's going to work out, but they absolutely had to try it, and I'm all for it. Goodbye. Okay, nice and quick and to the point. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, what, are you, what, are we, what are we talking about here, right? For the people who are disappointed, and I still can't believe after all this time, but they gave up Seth, and now Brooklyn has Drogic. Look, you don't win championships because of buyout players that enter your team. They might help for a little bit of time and a couple minutes, and it's a nice veteran ad for Brooklyn. First off, the Brooklyn Nets are an eighth seed right now. That's not to say that's where they're going to finish. Obviously, they don't have players available right now that significantly hurt their situation, right? They were at the top of the East. Players go down. Now they're at the bottom of the East. Crazy how that concept works. But honestly, we're going to sit here and tell everybody, look at them right into their eyes and say, now that Drogic is on the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to go win a championship. No, they win a championship because of Kevin Durant. They win a championship because of Kyrie Irving. Once again, we did this all yesterday long. Why are the Sixers going to win? Because of your superstar talent. Drogic is a nice ad, and it doesn't hurt that you have it. But at the end of the day, you don't win championships because of your buyout players. They help, and it's better than the alternative. But when was the last time you watched an NBA Finals and you said, good thing they picked up Drogic? Right? I mean, seriously, though, it doesn't happen. You say, holy shit, did you see Steph Curry? Holy hell, did you see LeBron James? Wow, did you see what P.J. Tucker did? Did you see that explosiveness on that end? Did you see how much of a dog he was out there? That's what you see. It's not the dude who's going to play six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, and if they got to play more than that, if your buyout market player has to play 20, your team stinks. The team ain't good. <laughs> so in terms of our first caller, and we're about to go right back to the phones, with James Harden, you got to go for, of course, Ben Simmons was not playing basketball for you. And how about that report the other day, Ramona Shelbert? Hopefully a couple weeks, not months, weeks, month, months, months. This is going to be an interesting dynamic whenever Ben Simmons does touch the floor because of how much time there is to incorporate someone who doesn't shoot a basketball is not very easy. It's not the same as trying to get a one-two punch and Embiid and James Harden getting together. It's someone who doesn't shoot a basketball and he has to play off the ball because of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So what, what does the what does this do? Who are going to be the Nets? And guess what? He ain't touching the floor March 10th in Philadelphia. And he knows that. So realistically, this week's timeline is going to perfectly line up for a game or two after the 76ers due to the optics and to, to make it play out and fit the timeline that makes him feel the most comfortable. That's as obvious as obvious can get. He'll be touching the floor right after that March 10th date. That is so clear. 
so clear. I'd be shocked if it wasn't that way. All right, back to the phones we go. Good morning. You're on with uh, Broach. Broach. Yo, yo. Man, I, I just wanted to rant real quick because I hear a lot of people talk about this Ben Simmons situation. Um, ben Simmons is not a playmaker in the half-court setting. Everybody who goes and says his playmaking is just as good as James Harden's is definitely not. James Harden can work in the half-court and playmake. Ben Simmons does the opposite. He playmakes in transition. That's the only way. Ben Simmons is going to playmake for the Nets. So they have no point guard. I just wanted to get this rant off real quick, Bruce, because I, I, a lot of people want to basically build up Ben Simmons, and we've been watching him for years. Absolutely. I agree completely with you. And it's funny, the same people that were ripping him and bashing him and saying so much needs to improve automatically are just changing the entire narrative and assuming that, well, just because now you're playing next to Kevin Durant, you don't have to play that way that they asked you to play in in Philadelphia anymore. So now all of a sudden you're going to be this perfect player. What happens in the fourth quarter in the half court set where you're taking away shots from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because teams are fouling Ben on purpose and saying we'd rather him take free throws. Now Steve Nash is going to take him off the floor and now that player that you're all excited about in Brooklyn isn't even playable and touching the court at all and you're absolutely right which is he had the open floor I call it the LA fitness game why because that's the game I play up and down easy you play at LA fitness you get an open court you pass it to the outside wing and they let it shoot when the game slows down Ben Simmons cannot operate in that. The only way they'll get buckets with Ben out there with like an Andre Drummond, let's say, which is three on five, may I add, is Kevin Durant isolation and begging him to go get a bucket. It's going to be extremely difficult for them. I couldn't agree more with you. I just appreciate the let me on, bros. I've been watching you since the inception of bros on YouTube and uh, just to see you grow. And listening to you on ninety uh ninety seven uh point five is uh it's just um it's like seeing one of your neighbors just you know flourish you know and it's it's always Philadelphia sports always uh I'm not a four for four guy because I don't really watch uh hockey but um I'm definitely uh I'm proud of you man just Thank keep you. going man Thank you so much. Appreciate- Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Definitely call in again, man. Some good stuff, some good passion, and I appreciate all the kind words. I I really, uh, every time, I I don't know how to react sometimes. It's like an uncomfortable feeling, but it's like, thank you. Thank you. I just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, and I I can't can't stress that enough. So I just, I want to make sure that every time, you know, you guys feel the love. That's all. Because I feel the love. That's for damn sure. None of this could be possible without you guys out there and all the support and calling into the show at nine in the morning, having your cup of coffee with me when we do coffee with Broads and getting your thoughts out there and your opinions. I love I love hearing from everybody out there. So absolutely. Thank you for calling in. Definitely do it again soon. So yeah, when I look at this team, I think what they have to do with the starting rotation is they have to try Danny Green first. I think Danny Green is the best option first. And I don't know if I would have necessarily felt that a couple weeks ago. And I'm not a big Danny Green fan. And honestly, I don't think that it's definitely going to pan out. But I think that's what you attempt. And I'm okay with understanding the logic behind it. But then there's something called adjustments. And then Doc Rivers shows his face into the conversation, right? 
And it's similar to what happened, if you remember, against the Atlanta Hawks, where they elected to start Danny Green. And this was a different version of Danny Green then. Okay, Danny Green now was not the same version of Danny Green last year. Danny Green last year was a way more important player and a way better player that was executing at a way better clip. So when we talk about this, keep in mind, you can't just be having the recency bias and assuming we're watching the same old Danny Green. Last year, he had a little bit more spark and a little bit more juice. But but uh, Doc Rivers elected to start Danny Green defensively on Trey Young. I could get behind the thought, but about three minutes in, when you realize this ain't going as planned, you gotta you gotta move on. You gotta look in a different direction. You gotta feel out something else. So same with this, where I'm giving you Danny Green. And I say, I can get it because you got to space the floor and he can definitely do some damage with some open threes. If it ends up where you recognize early, this ain't it, then Doc, you don't just stick with it for a whole entire half, a three quarters, a whole game. At some point, you got to try something new. And if that alternative doesn't work, let's say you go to Matisse Thibel. Let's say you go to Niang. Let's say you go to this guy. Let's say you go to that guy. After a coach shows, look, I threw everything I have out there, and then you you can't you can't act, you don't you don't win. It's less on the coach, and it's real. Well, there's no other options. Then it tells you that the matchup base is a problem and, you know, you don't have the players in that position. And then you got to pick your poison and pick the least concerning, which could be still very concerning, but you're least concerning. And look, there's an element here of Doc's not going to throw all of his cards or all of his eggs in one basket in just one game. Because then when you think about the game-to-game adjustments, you're losing some of your power and you're losing something that, you know, you can show your opponent in a different game to try and win in a different area. But you understand from a general sense of, okay, let's try. If you see something miserable occurring, it's a quick leash. It's a quicker leash. There's not many options in that position. Matisse, Danny, Niang, slow, 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 slow. So that's all matchup-based. And don't be fooled on what happened against Milwaukee. Amazing game. Not a sustainable game. We've watched George Niang play how many basketball games this year? When did he ever look like that? That was the only time this year he's ever looked like that. So it's not something that, oh, hey, look what he did against the Bucks. Slot him in there. Dude, you want to talk about slow-footed. Furcon? <laughs> if I see Furcon Korkmaz in a playoff series this year. <laughs> oh, don't do this to me. Back to the phones we go. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, bro. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, okay. Um, so now that, you know, things have cooled off a little bit, you know. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Really excited about Simmons getting traded and stuff like that. I mean, there are some concerns that I have with the whole Embiid Harden pairing. And I saw this crazy stat. Apparently, like, uh, Embiid has the fourth highest usage in the last 25 years. And the only player that has a higher usage is James Harden. So, I mean, with that, and then plus the emergence of Tyrese Maxey, I mean, how do you see, like, this, like, who makes the biggest sacrifice in this new dynamic? Who sort of, like, changes their game completely? Because, I mean, I know, you know, James Harden at one point averaged 36 points a game, but that was because he got to dribble the ball for about 20 seconds out of the shot clock every time down the floor, right? Whereas now with Embiid, you know, pretty much he's like our point center. Everything, the sun rises and falls with him, you know? So, I mean... How do, how, who do you see making the biggest sacrifice? And then, I mean, with Tyrese Mackey, too, he had the dimension that very few teams in the league have with his speed going downhill. You know, does he just become a spot-up shooter now? Or does he, like, how, who do you see making the biggest sacrifice in, in all this? Yeah, I think that's a great... New yeah, no, I think it's a great question, and I will answer that right now. Thank you so much for calling in. I really do appreciate that. Now, when you look at his previous seasons, James Harden, that is, because my answer is going to be James Harden. I think James Harden makes a little bit more of an adjustment, but, you know, both of those circumstances were different. When you think about the teams that they were on without one another, Joel Embiid with this team right now, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, before the trade happened, and Matisse Thibault and Maxi, the usage rate is high because because it needs to be insanely high. And it should still be high with James Harden here, but when you look at the supporting cast, there's a reason it was or is as obnoxious as it is. Same with James Harden in previous teams and in previous destinations. It made sense that his usage rate was very high based off of what he was surrounded with and him being being the top dog. So in his previous seasons, where he averaged 34 points per game, 36 points per game, it was about seven assists per game too. Now the scoring is down, but the assist numbers are up. The last couple of spots he was at in his career, 25 points, 10.5 assists per game. 24 points, 10.9 assists per game in Brooklyn. That was this season, or excuse me, that was last season. He almost averaged 11 assists per game. So that shows me that when he's playing in a different area and he's playing with different teammates and he's playing with the different personnel, getting the guys involved and in playing a different brand of basketball, which is passing the rock and definitely finding his teammates and being more of a floor general, which if you were in yesterday's stream and chat, that somehow got people all crazy because apparently there's only two floor generals. That phrase, there's only two floor generals in the history of basketball. And that was what, Steve Nash and Chris Paul? If you if you call James Harden a floor general, apparently that's a crime and you should be thrown into jail, which is absurd considering floor general just means you're 
primary ball handler who sets up your offense and gets everyone where they needs to be. But my point is, you know, we have this fixation on James Harden, the let's dribble a bunch of times and take a step back three. And he did do that at one point in his career and he scored a lot of points. But if you look at how he has been playing since that 34 point per game season back in, what was that? 2019, 2020, way more assists and less scoring. So that shows me that he's not uncapable of doing that. And he's not dumb. He's not not aware of what this situation here is in Philadelphia. He sees what Tyrese Maxey is. He's on the bench getting all fired up and pumped up and seeing the trajectory of who this kid can grow into. He sees the way Joel Embiid's playing. His number one goal is to go win a championship. He has that same demeanor and the same mindset that Joel Embiid has right now. And the and the, the focus is, I need that Larry O'Brien trophy. Well, there's a reason why he's excited to be here. It's the fact that Joel Embiid is on this tear and he's playing at an MVP rate. So he's not going to want to take away from the monster that Joel Embiid is because that then lessens their opportunity to grab the ultimate goal, which they want so badly, both of them, they can't sleep at night because they want it that badly. That's what their focus level is. So to me, I think the answer is James Harden sacrifices a bit more on everything. And that doesn't mean Joel Embiid doesn't. Joel Embiid does too. There's going to be post-up touches that aren't going to go to Joel Embiid. That James Harden cooks the three and he has a step back three. He's got a wide open look and he takes it. Or maybe Danny Green or Tobias Harris gets a nice bucket that would have maybe in years past or in games past this season would have went to Embiid and he would have drew a foul and he would have went to the charity stripe and a double team would have came his way. He would have shot through it, but his elbow got hurt or hit. And he goes to the line and he takes some free throws. Yeah, there's going to be possessions that don't go into the paint that would have went in the paint. But if it is countered by, okay, now Joel didn't get it, but James Harden hit a three. Or James Harden got Tobias Harris a wide open look in the corner and he drilled it. Or Maxi got the ball somehow instead and he gets a floater as he's going to the basket with that speed that he does. And he got, he got a step on a defender and he can lay it up off the glass, kiss it off the glass and it goes in. Okay, maybe Joel does lose a possession, but they score anyway. And does Joel Embiid give a damn if Furkan Korkmaz hits the bucket, if James Harden hits the bucket, or if he hits the bucket? Absolutely not, because the main focus is the Larry O'Brien. So I think that's how I look at it as a whole and who would take the back seat with the air quotes. But it's not really a back seat. It's just who's going to still be the alpha and still be the number one and still be the guy when thinking of the usage rate? Well, one guy's a center and one guy's a point guard. So in terms of getting up the floor, and I still think Joel Embiid does that. That's not going to change. You'll still see point center Joel Embiid. You'll still see the guy full speed, grab a rebound, dribble up the floor, and then just attack the paint at will. That's a part of this team's offense now. And when you're a defender and you're defending, good luck, right? I mean, here's this seven foot two individual who's about the Euro step on my ass or dunk all over me, or it's James Harden, or it's Tyrese Maxey with the speed. They have so many different angles and so many different players with versatility. They bring different things to their skill set. So Embiid's the big body doing it. James Harden is James Harden. Enough is said about James Harden when you just say the name James Harden. And then Maxi with the speed and the burst. So depending on who's carrying the rock up the floor as a defensive team, you got to think about a lot, a lot, and what they can do compared to the other. And it definitely can change 
your thought process when you're defending on the other side. I know the buyout market's asked a lot to me, and obviously we have a couple days here until we lead up to the actual game on Friday, which is going to be a ton of fun, and I can't wait. It stings that it's not a, one, I don't like the Friday night game because people do things. You're going out, you're grabbing some beers, you're doing that. I like the weekday game. I wish he made his debut at home on a Tuesday night, even if it was still against Minnesota. For me, I think a Tuesday night at 7.30 would do better than a Friday night at 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever it is, just because of you know the situation, the Friday night change. When you're during the work week, everyone's home, and you just you get that weak vibe. The Monday through Thursday game at a 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, there's just a different level of urgency as a fan base watching those games because you're in your rhythm. You're in your flow of your standard work week. The Friday opens the door for, yeah, I got to go out. The kids have to do this and this and that, especially if it's not a home game. Gets a little murky there, and that same level of mm, isn't there from the full-on fan base for sure. But anyway, at least that's my feel on it. That's my touch on it. I wish that he made his debut on a 7 o'clock Tuesday night game at home against the Knicks or something outrageous like that. But it is what it is. I'll take this. I'll take this as the alternative. Trust me. I won't cry about it and lose sleep over it. I'll take the fact that I'm disappointed that the first game's on the road on a Friday night in Minnesota compared to in Philadelphia. Trust me. If that's the worst thing to come out of this, I think I'll be okay as long as I got my coffee, which I do need to make another cup, and I'm staring at the side of my eye here at my curing machine. I really want to do it, but I'm on such a flow, I can't get up and and ruin where we're at here with the show. People keep asking me about the buyout. We have a couple days, and we're going to continue, obviously, the Sixers conversation throughout the week. So maybe we keep that close to our chest and talk about it a bit more and tease an upcoming show on which angle they should take for the buyout market and what could fit them best and help them in a specific role. Maybe it goes hand in hand in what I'm talking about right now with some of these positions in the starting rotation, even though I'm hearing that they're targeting a certain player, a certain type of player. But that's for another day, of course, which you would have to tune into when we have that conversation. Uh, Savion wants to know when is our next home game after the the game on Friday? It is, yes, the following Wednesday. They will see the New York Knicks at home. And the Knicks stink. The Knicks are absolutely horrendous. The chat's getting a little wild today. Not as wild as yesterday. We got the Nets are going to win a championship if KD plays barefoot. I don't know how you make that assumption. I've made this very clear. The way that I'm analyzing this at at the moment is everyone's in that same category, right? You got the Miami Heat. You got the Sixers. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. You have the Chicago Bulls. You have the Boston Celtics. You have the Raptors. The problem with the Nets is you just don't know. You just don't know. How many times have we said throughout the NBA over the last couple of years, all they have to do is get healthy? I'm not talking about the Nets. I'm talking about any team. Well, if they get healthy, then blank. If they finally get their players back, then blank. But then the blank, which is they can go win a championship or they can go on a run. Does it ever actually reach the ultimate goal? It seems like when we talk about that with certain teams, well, they never got to fully play together all year. And, well, there's a little bit of time left before the regular season ends. They missed a lot of time to get that chemistry together. But they'll be okay. 
and then it never really pans out that way. And with the Nets, it just seems like there's so much talk about, well, look at their talent. They're definitely going to do it. And there's a difference between saying that with Joel Embiid and James Harden right now because the difference is Kevin Durant's been banged up. Kyrie Irving can't play to vaccination status. It's different when the injury on that side of things has hindered them all year long and they're changing their entire team and then implementing a two-man game between a point guard and a center and bringing in a primary point guard where this team without James Harden, with Joel Embiid being healthy, I still thought would go farther than where they were last season and the season before that and the season before that and their constant second-round exits. I truly believe that even with J- Joel Embiid without James Harden could still get you to the Eastern Conference Final. That's how lethal Joel Embiid was playing. That's really a testament to how strong I thought he was and how much on an elite tear he's been at. You add a simple two-man game to the mix. That's a lot different than waiting for Kevin Durant to get healthy and Kyrie's vaccination status and now implementing a guy who doesn't shoot in Ben Simmons and the spacing issues with Andre Drummond at the five or going with an older LaMarcus Aldridge. And now we're throwing in a Drogic as another ball handler. And It's a lot different than just incorporating a two-man game between a Hall of Fame point guard and a Joel Embiid who's playing at a Hall of Fame rate right now. So to me... Two totally different conversations as a whole. But back to the phones, we go. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, good morning. I have a quick question. Okay. Why are you so confident in James Harden's playoff performance and Doc Rivers' coaching abilities to make adjustments in the playoffs? Because the last five years, I haven't seen any of of it work. Yeah, so with Doc Rivers, I think that's fair. I'm definitely more cautious on the Doc Rivers side compared to the James Harden side. And when it comes to James Harden, so to to answer your question about Doc is, I think all head coaches have flaws except for Greg Popovich and Eric Spolster. Those are the two guys that wow you to death if you're looking at NBA coaches. But other coaches, they all have their own flaws. They all have those internal problems. The difference is the NBA superstars go ball out and they make up for the deficiencies of the head coach. So I feel if Harden and Embiid can carry their way You can see issues with Doc, but your superstar talent elevates you over the flaws of the head coach. So with that, why do I feel good about James Harden? Because I look at playoff losses differently than others. So Ben Simmons is an outlier because the guy didn't shoot a basketball, and that's hard to relate and compare to anybody else out there. But we can all agree that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever live, or one or two, depending if you're a LeBron guy. My point is that Michael Jordan lost and lost and lost and lost in the playoffs because losing in the playoffs happens to every great player. Losing in the playoffs is something that makes you motivated to get to that level. Joel Embiid lost and lost and lost and lost. And now James Harden isn't that number one guy from five years ago and having to carry a team without a center and playing with stretch five minutes. And by the way, when they did lose, they lost to a Golden State Warriors team that's iconic and one of the most stacked franchises we've seen over the history of the NBA. And who knows if they didn't have to go up against, like, there's how many people did Michael Jordan stop from winning a championship? It's the same mentality with that Golden State Warriors run, which they could have stopped a fantastic Hall of Famer from winning a championship 
championship. That doesn't mean that James Harden is incapable of doing it. It just means it hasn't happened yet. So that's why I feel a little bit differently than just saying, well, he's never won before, so there's no way he can ever. No, he has the skill level to do it. It's just that difficult to do it and team him up with an Embiid, and now he's a second option compared to a first. So that's my thoughts. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think that you're forgetting the fact that, yes, that Harden lost to Golden State, but he also lost to Spurs, had 10 points that game. He has multiple playoff performance for shooting two for 13. Did he play with Joel Embiid then, though? He didn't play with Joel Embiid, but he played with Chris Paul. They okay. had a shot of winning. Yeah, so he, had, he, had, he has had some bad moments in the playoffs, but does that mean every playoff moment for the rest of time is going to be pathetic and awful? But every plus he has had, he's had a bad moment. Every plus he's ever played. Maybe, he's okay, a, every a player. Performance. You could say that about anyone, though. I mean, Steph Curry has had a bad playoff moment. Kevin Durant has had a bad playoff game. LeBron James has had bad playoff moments. I mean, to act, the act as if the guy had to be legitimately perfect and never make a mistake in his. So let me ask you this: You don't want James Harden, or is this bad that the Sixers have James? Harden? Are they in a worse no, spot? No, I think- I think, no, no, no. I think you're way better off because Ben wasn't playing, so you can't be worse than someone that's not playing. Right. Okay. And look, I I understand bringing up history because I'm a big track record guy. And thank you. That's actually a very good call. And I embrace someone bringing the other side so we can have that conversation in the back and forth. But for me, it's, okay, well, he failed here, then this, that, that. Okay, but this is a whole different experience. This is a totally different team in a totally different conference with a totally different group of players, and you're now matched up with the Joel Embiid who's playing at the top, 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 top tier of the game and arguably the best player in the entire game right now, which changes the the, the dialogue and the entire conversation. So if you want to bring up the failures of James Harden, you're not wrong to say that he has failed in the past. But my counter-argument would be, Every great player has failed in the past before they succeeded. That doesn't mean they will absolutely succeed, and it's a no-brainer, but to act as if just because they lost and failed before that they can never succeed, and I can't feel optimistic knowing that that talent is special and that talent is great, and that's the type of talent that does win championships. There's a lot of great talent that can win titles but never do, whether it's because they're going up against an iconic group or they they, they have bad games, but that doesn't mean that that player can't do it. It's just they didn't do it. That That's different. The potential, having the talent to potentially win a title is what I can ask for as a fan analyzing my franchise. Putting together something that can legitimately compete for an NBA title, having the talent to potentially do it. Now, of course, they have to execute well and accomplish their goal by doing so, but the talent of James Harden with or without ever doing it can do it. So having that on my team, that's all I can ask for from a fan. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, bros. I was wondering, is James Harden going to help Furk or Shake? Who, who's he going to help more? Like, and who can we use in the playoffs? Furk or Shake? Who, who's the best guy? And I wouldn't have either of them. I, I think I wish, I wish you said Tyrese Maxey because I think the answer. Well, I know he's going to help Tyrese. Yeah. I, I honestly, I'm out with Furk. I'm not a Furkan guy. You know that I think Furkan stinks. And with Shake Milton, I feel like we've been waiting forever. Of, All right, the Shake guy, we saw him in LA. He had that big point performance and he's great and this and that. He's always injured. He had the injury this year. He came back. He's been horrible since. 
I mean, if I'm Doc, and I know Doc thinks a lot differently than I do, unfortunately, but if I'm Doc Rivers, I have my starting five of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Tobias Embiid. From there, I got Thibel, I got Niang, and I got my backup big man. That's my eight. Now, he probably throws in a Furcon at the nine, and, and maybe the spacing of James Harden can get more open threes, and they desperately need that. So maybe your answer is Furcon over Shake Milton, and that's scary, and that upsets me, and that scares me. But I think if you're thinking about spacing and just getting the the spacing on the floor, the answer is probably Furcon, and maybe that's your nine if you're Doc Rivers. That That's right off the top of my head, kind of talking through it right now real quickly and real briefly without putting too much thought into it. That's sort of where my brain goes. I think Tyrese can get a lot better, too, with James. He's going to – I think his his ceiling is really high. Oh, for sure. This kid's a stud. This kid is a legitimate – all-star in the making. This Tyrese Maxey is going to be one of the top premier talents in the, I'm not saying LeBron KD level, but you know, that next tier of guys who do some serious damage in this league, there's no doubt that Tyrese Maxey can do that from a lot of different angles too. Not just his ability to fly with the speed, but now his confidence in his three-point shooting has already rose so much. It's amazing. I like how we have Tobias and Maxi, and you say like it's the third star A and B because on any given night we're going to need one of them. We're going to need them both to step up. Sure, uh, and I and I think that's the perfect way to describe it as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in. Uh, it's almost like a one-two punch for that third star, right? You think of the Miami Heat, you go Chris Bosh, LeBron, Dwayne Wade. Well, you have Harden and Embiid, and then you have like these two really good players that bring different levels to the game. And one's really super young, and Tobias has his good games. He has his bad games. He's not the most consistent ever, but he's not as bad as what people label him either, which maybe it's a night where instead of Maxi going off for 24 and him being the third shot, maybe it's a combination of Maxi gives you 16 and Tobias gives you 18. And then together, that's your third star being made up between two players. I could see that happening every game. Like I could see that happening where Maxi gives you 15 and then Tobias gives you, let's say he gives you 22. Or let's say Tobias gives you a tougher night. He gives you 14, but then Maxi can give you a 21-point performance. Like the combination of those two getting it. If you had it in mind, if Embiid's going to score 32 and Harden's going to give you 24, what are you looking for from the other guys? If you can say, I need X amount of points from the combination of those two, I think you can get to that number on a pretty night-to-night basis. That's what I mean by every game. Obviously, it's going to be in a different style every night because each game has its own brand and its own life and its own back and forth, if you will, their own set of runs. So the identity changes each night. And sometimes it's maybe a Niang that'll get you the win. Or it's a, who knows, maybe it's a five-minute burst from a uh, Paul Millsap, if you will, that you date back. You remember that run by Paul Millsap? Right, you definitely look at these other unique little talking points off to the side throughout each game. But can you get X amount of points from the combination of Maxi and Tobias per game? And I think so. Now, obviously, it it comes down to, like, if Harden has a tough night or if Embiid has a tougher night, someone needs to make up for those points. Just from a a far, from a far thought, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, things change, obviously, when your superstars don't have their night. Then you put the stress on the Tobias, on the Maxi, and that's not to say they can't do it in a small sample size. 
But that's why I go back to you got to have the top talent to win. If the top talent performs, then I think you got yourself a real chance here in Philadelphia. If they struggle, do you have the full-on depth to then make up for it? I think on a night or two, yes. For a longer period of time, if you're asking this for a long period of time, then no. But I don't anticipate watching Joel Embiid struggle throughout the postseason. If he has a tough night clocking in at the office, that's a lot different than having a tough series. If one of these two stars have tough series, then yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to demand a Toby and a Maxi to be star stars, especially Maxi right now. He'll grow into that, I feel, just not there on a consistent level at this point in his career. So let's see what's happening in the chat a little bit over here. I see people screaming about Seth Curry. I see people screaming about the Brooklyn Nets. If Doc is telling the truth and he staggers the lines, Harden gives you the opportunity to go small. What do you mean? Like you can go small with your five? I don't know how they're going to approach this five thing. They definitely are looking in the buyout market, but is it a is it a Paul Millsap? We just don't know enough. Obviously, the last we saw of Paul Millsap, the couple of runs he got so far at the Sixers, there's a little bounce in his step. There's some seems to be some motivation. There seems to be a little bit of the it right now, but it's also adrenaline. And, you know, he seems to be rising to the occasion of seeing and smelling that there's an opportunity for sure. But is it a Paul Reed? And it's that concept. I mean, what can they do at the five? And it's all matchup based as well, right? Depending on what the other team has to throw your way and what some of the options are on the opponent's sidelines and on their bench. So it definitely opens up the door a little bit more for some, um, for some debates depending on what the opponent has at the 5-2. But in in general, staggering lineups is a no-brainer if you're Doc Rivers. And I can't believe that there's going to be a situation where he's going to screw this thing up. I I just, oh man, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around screwing it up that much because you got to be so bad at your job. You got to be so awful. And as much as we rip Doc Rivers apart, as we should, it's just hard for me to believe that with all of the experience he has, which, you know, some of his decisions already baffle my mind as it is, so I guess I I can't be that shocked by it. But with all the experience he has in the league, seeing Maxi, Toby, Embiid, and Harden, how is it ever going to happen where one of the two, Embiid and Harden, are not on the floor at the same time? Now, with me saying that, I feel I'm just a ticking time bomb. Somebody will have a lineup and that somebody will be Doc Rivers where it'll be Tobias plus bench or Maxi and Tobias and Harden and Embiid are both off the floor, which based off of what we've seen so far this season, you say, okay, at least I'll take that. It could be a lot worse and you're not wrong. It could be a lot worse, but in all honesty, How in your right mind can you see what you have talent-wise and still think that that benefits you? It's foolish. So the Doc Rivers thing is crazy to me. But with the Doc Rivers thing being crazy, I feel good because of Embiid and Harden. I do. You saw what Kawhi Leonard did with the Toronto Raptors. You see what happens when Giannis gives you a 50-burger and Middleton explodes for his nights. And you saw that in the postseason last year on that run. You've seen big nights. You see what can happen. And with all due respect to Mike Budenholzer, he wasn't just a perfect coach. But what happens 
is your players rise to the occasion. They step up, they ball. They dominate. And when that happens, you can win basketball games. That doesn't mean you don't recognize some bad lineups, some bad rotations. But we also have to realize, too, that in the playoffs, 40 minutes a night for Embiid. Harden, 40 minutes a night. These guys are going to be out there for a long, 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 long time. We'll see what those eight minutes are like. And I'm not saying there won't be criticizing. And I'm not saying they won't be disappointing at times. Because until I'm proven otherwise, I won't fully believe it. But it comes down to what happens throughout those 40 minutes. And can they carry the squad? It'll be an interesting thing to find out for sure. Okay, with that being said, I want to thank everybody so much for hanging out with me today here on this combination of Sports Talk with Broads and Coffee with Broads, a little mix between the two, doing it a little bit of some podcasting for them. I can't thank everybody enough in the chat room calling into the Anytime Hotline. I'm having a blast uh, having some live dialogue with you. It's been a ton of fun. So we're going to continue to keep it rolling. Keep your eyes out for some some more live streams, some more podcasts throughout the week, of course. It's a dead week with sports. Obviously, you got the Flyers, but they stink. I went to the game yesterday afternoon. They play again tonight against the St. Louis Blues, but they just lose and lose and lose and lose and lose, and it is dreadful. Uh, Don't forget, if you are new to the channel, smash that subscribe button and hit that thumbs up button as well. Thank you guys so much. Keep your eyes out for some more live streams, and I will see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.